Well, welcome back to the Leverage Podcast. I'm Ari Mizell. And I'm Nick Sonnenberg. And our guest today is none other than the JP Sears, who is a holistic emotional healer. And I guess you call yourself a YouTuber now, too. Yeah, yeah, I guess I do. <laughs> well, welcome and thank you. Yeah, thank you, Ari and Nick. I'm very pleased to be here with you guys. Appreciate you guys being weird enough to invite me on slash irresponsible enough to invite me on. Well, I mean, you know, every now and then we feel like we deliver so much value on this podcast that every now and then it's nice to tone it down a little bit. Yeah. And fun. Yeah, and uh, I definitely appreciate that backhanded compliment. I'm not uh, witty <laughs> enough to understand that I should be insulted. And I also imagine that many of your listeners probably get the most value out of you telling them how much value you deliver. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. So it's once you've reached a tipping point where people just believe you, then if you're telling them and it's valuable, then if, if they don't get value out of it, then they're, they're the fools, really. And that's the real value is just feeling like you're getting value. Right. So. Exactly. <laughs> Thus, the pyramid scheme of podcasting has been born. There we go. Alliteration, always helpful to make a point too, I find. So I like how you threw that in there. I, I believe anything, but if it either rhymes or it's just a well-formed alliteration, like I am, trust me, I am sophisticated enough. I will believe it without even thinking about it. Perfect. So <laughs> my, my, my spy with your little eye was tricky as a kid, huh? Face <laughs> my life off of uh, those alliterations and rhyming. Yep. So my, my first real question here is, you know, if you Google you, uh, which I've done a few times now, and you look at the images page particularly, there's a lot of you with your long flowing red hair and your, those mm -hmm. wonderful locks, but there's one picture of you with short hair and a lab coat uh, where it says that you are a holistic healer. And so you, you do have an actual background in what you're doing and the way you're presenting it. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know about that specific picture, short hair and a lab coat. But yeah, you know, for the past 15 years, I've done emotional healing uh, coaching with a one-on-one -on -one client practice. It's just been maybe about five months ago, I had to let that go to just more fully embrace bigger and uh, I think more expansive opportunities. So that's my background. It's been, in my experience, very meaningful work to be able to work with people in their heart realms, not not where I heal them. I don't think I could possibly do that, but I help people to help themselves digest pain that they carry and get past limitations and step deeper into their own power so that ultimately they can uh, have the experience of having more meaning and purpose in their life. What got you on that path initially? Like what were you doing before that? Not much. I was, uh, let's see, I was... Uh, just out of high school, turned 18, as opposed to like being out of high school and I was like 23. Uh, it's just, <laughs> you know, got a PhD in high schoolology. So when I was 18, I went to the university sort of like because it's like, uh, I don't know what I want to do in life. And my parents definitely had pressure to go to university because you can't you can't possibly be successful without starting off in life $100,000 in debt. It's just like, it doesn't make sense. Like, how are you going to make money if you don't owe a lot of money? Mm. So I did that. I lasted about three months in uh, college before I just 
I knew it. it's not for me. I have the ability to have an inability to learn about things that I'm just not passionate about. So like I just shut down. And at the time I thought it's like a curse. I feel like, do I have like 10 learning disabilities? What's the deal? But now over the years, I've learned like, wow, when my heart is not aligned with something, I don't go there. I just have no will to engage in things that don't feel purposeful to me. And I'm now I'm very thankful for that quality. So anyway, I got interested in holistic exercise and nutrition and lifestyle modifications and studying through alternative institutions. And then they very quickly got me interested in the emotional healing realms. Uh, it's just kind of like, wow, exercise and nutrition can make a powerful impact on people's lives, which is awesome. And then I was discovering our emotions can make an even more powerful impact on our lives. And I was also learning how much I needed my own inner work, my own you know, psychological garden was needing to be tended to. So I got really passionate and purposeful about going into the heart realm with myself and it turns out a bunch of clients. So how did this new phase kind of take off for you, I guess? You, you used to work one-on-one with people, and then you obviously you know, kind of blown up on YouTube with a lot of these videos that you've posted. How did that happen exactly? What was the transition that, that happened there to go from the one-on-one to the YouTube star? The biggest part of the transition was me giving myself permission to let my natural sense of humor come out on camera which I only started doing about two and a half years ago. Before that, I had a really solid story of certainty in my mind. Turned out not to be true, but I was so certain of it. The story was, it would be bad for business if I was funny. It would discredit me as an emotional healing coach and kind of spiritual teacher. Sounds like an awesome term, so I'll use it. It it would all discredit me. Like I'm supposed to act boring as hell and sedentary like Eckhart Tolle. You know, super informative, be insightful, but you need to be boring and sedentary. And that was all a a really uh, self-betrayal trick I played on myself because Eckhart Tolle makes a great Eckhart Tolle because he is him. But me trying to be Eckhart Tolle is really a disservice to life and an incredible betrayal of myself. So after 13 years in my career, I finally allowed myself like, okay, let's, like, I still think it'll be bad for business, but let's let my sense of humor come out. And it turned out to be good for business. Uh, A lot of people started to view my videos, but also uh, my my client practice became busier than what I could handle. And when I made my first comedy video, I didn't have intentions of it being an ongoing thing. I'm kind of like, ah, you know, let's, let's make one, see what happens. But it was really satisfying inside. And, you know, it kind of like the opposite of what I mentioned a few minutes ago. When something feels very purposeful to me, I can't not do it. It's just like I, I become a, a dog on the scent trail of something that's delicious. I just become very dim-witted and I go. So, you know, uh, I just kept saying yes to these video ideas that would come through me. And uh, I was, you know, very blessed that the 
videos were getting good viewership and every once in a while one would go viral and that bring in a flood of more people. So uh, boiling it all down, I would dare say becoming more true to myself was a an important part for facilitating the transition into this kind of new new ground of life that the videos have opened up for me. Was there a shift in your goal for what value you were bringing to the people that you were trying to serve? Did it shift from, you know, trying to serve this emotional healing to trying to make people laugh? Or is your ultimate goal still the same? You're just doing it in a different format now. You know, I love the question. I think the ultimate goal is still the same, to help people live more meaningful lives. But how that goal is accomplished, I don't care. It's like as long as as long as we land on the moon, I don't care how we get there. You know, working with people one on one and teaching retreats, workshops, I've been doing that since 2006. So either in groups or one on one, that's a great way of helping people. Like I I am uh, so grateful for that opportunity. I started to realize there's additional ways to help people where I can at times go deeper and at times go way more horizontal with uh, how many people I reach and what part of them I reach. And, and I had always discounted like comedy is like, uh, I don't know, it's, it's fun. It's amazing and make people laugh. But I started to realize comedy is a language that can deliver deeper messages that otherwise don't get into the psyche because our defenses come up when we're spoken to in a straightforward, serious tone. I mean, my psyche does that. So realizing, wow, there is a a real gift with humor and my ultimate goal of helping people help themselves while I also heal and grow my own self. Comedy is an important dimension of helping to accomplish that goal in a a bigger way than I uh, could before. Yeah, and I think that's that's really important for people to understand because when I when I I don't remember when I saw your very first video, but it was obviously really funny. But I I realized that there's a serious benefit to what you're doing, and while it's satire and comedic, you really are still shining a light on things that I think a lot of people lack self awareness for. Mm. Um, so, like you know, your your video about how to become a life coach, for example, uh, there are so many people that I know that that have basically made that exact same video, but it wasn't funny. <laughs> I mean, when I saw it, I was wondering if we had three mutual friends because <laughs> we have like real time Facebook timelines of those types of things. But <laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah, I, I've heard those almost the same, you know, the, in front of the, the beach house, that's not really important. That's not really what it's about, but it is really, I mean, it, it's, it is an important point. Like you're, I think your, your, your message is coming through a lot more, a lot stronger. And even for the people, maybe that it doesn't, touch on an emotional level, those people are sharing it with people who it touches. Yeah. So it's, I, I mean, I think it's brilliant, honestly. And do, do you feel, I know you said you just made the one video, but do you feel like there was a part of you that knew that this was maybe an, an, like a strategy, like you had this idea in mind that this could be another way? Maybe. Like when you say a part of me, I would, I would buy into the idea like a unconscious part of me that's wiser than my thinking mind, like probably. As far as my thinking mind, I didn't have any kind of conscious strategies that said anything like, well, let's start making comedy videos. We'll get those, you know, really successful and we'll reach a lot more people and that'll be good for business. Zero consciously, I've just been the blind man stumbling along. 
And when something feels good, purposeful, and passionate, I say yes to it. When it doesn't, I do my best to say no to it. So in that sense, I'm kind of like, you know, low IQ'd Forrest Gump stumbling along. But the more I uh, close my eyes and lead with my heart, the more things work out better than I could have imagined. Your videos are very... Uh, what's the word? Not prescient, but just very like topical. Obviously, for things like you know, bulletproof coffee that like you just had, or how to become a glu- how to become gluten intolerant. Like they're all things that they're just sort of like in the sphere anyway. So, I mean, are you are you reacting most of the time, or are you sort of pre figuring out things? There's a couple angles of inspiration. One is like noticing what's going on in the world. Where where are people stuck? and need help? Where are people getting disconnected from themselves? And then the other angle is just kind of like these random abstract ideas will come to me at times. So I think it's part observation and maybe part just call it artistic intuition. And and I, I made a video, I don't know, a couple months ago called How to Get Offended. And and I was just seeing as like, it's not a new thing, but I was just seeing so much of it where people have become kind of sewers of outrage and, and people are so creative that they can create a way to get offended about anything. And I think when people get offended, it robs them from a deeper connection with themselves. They completely deflect from themselves uh, when they project onto someone else, get angry at someone else, it's Trump's fault, it's whoever's fault, I hate this, I hate that, gun control, whatever it is. It's a way people escape themselves. So I wanted to shine the light on the hiding place of offense that we take about everything so that we can find more of ourselves instead of losing ourselves behind this very powerful and addictive emotional experience called being offended. So that's something I felt passionate about. Later today, I'll be filming a video called um, How to Win People's Approval. Because I see so many people, including myself, I've spent so many years doing this. I still do it to a degree. I'm working on it where we we make the purpose of our life less about following our heart and less about being true to ourselves and more about trying to fulfill people's expectations so that we can be gratified for about three minutes by their approval. And we've lost ourselves in the process because we become what people want us to be in order to get their approval, which means we're becoming less of ourselves and less true to ourselves. So I think that's a big issue I observe. It's a big issue I've been working on in myself, and therefore I'm you know, inspired to make a video on that topic as well. Now that you're not doing as much of the coaching like you used to, obviously you have previous experience that is a big source of your inspiration and just random ideas, but are there particular people that you follow or places that you go like uh, consciously to seek inspiration? Uh, yes, in kind of an abstract way, a conscious community is what I like to observe to seek inspiration. And I know the conscious community is like, what the hell does that mean? Does that mean like observing hippies or what? To me, a conscious, the conscious community on earth, it's people who are proactive and taking responsibility in their life. And that can be entrepreneurs. I think entrepreneurs are very much part of the conscious community. It's very much in the entrepreneurial zeitgeist for people to be working on themselves, figuring out how can I enhance my brain function, my energy, so my business can function better. And it can also be meditators. It can be yogis. So people who are taking some level of responsibility for themselves. Where I seek inspiration is 
seeing what happens in the conscious community and mostly seeing what's there that isn't really being talked about, kind of seeing the um, unseen, because I like to shine the light on the blind spots with the videos. It's kind of like if you want something to be funny, uh, you have to you have to blindside someone with what's not expected, yet it also has to be pretty true as well, or else it will just be kind of like five-year-old mentality slapstick comedy, which nothing's wrong with that. It's just not really my style. So showing people what's there that they're not seeing is uh, important. I think it raises the level of awareness. I think that helps us and we tend to get laughs out of it. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not really interested in catering to what I would call the unconscious community. You know, the people who, you know, it's important for them to, uh, you know, have seven shotguns in the back of their pickup truck and then drinking six beers every night while they're watching TV if that's their nightly routine, like that's not really the the type of person that I'm aiming for. Yeah. And uh, that's, what's great about your content. I mean, we find it so funny because we personally know people that aren't joking that say a lot of the same phrases, you know, like you'd had a video on like why 10 X your company when you I'm focusing on a hundred or a thousand X and like you just hear these terms so much though it's like really funny because we just we start picturing people that we know you script this stuff at all do you write it out or you just kind of go yeah i i script it. in fact i've got a script right oh, cool. for today that's a that's an important part of the creative process that i've really come to cherish there's a prideful part of me that in the beginning i had to struggle with scripting because it's like i was called to do it when i script a video it's like I get to be present with the the linguistic nuances while I'm scripting it. Then when I'm on camera, because I'm, I, I don't need to think about what I'm going to say because it's scripted, it's rehearsed. So I can settle into like the subtle feel, tonality, maybe facial expressions, which is another dimension of the creativity. So I find that's a balance that works for me. But I struggled with like giving myself permission to script them. Because there's a, a prideful part of me that gets pride, just to be redundant with the use of the word pride. I, I find intelligent people tend to use the same word uh, within a sentence at least two or three times. It means you have a big vocabulary. So anyway, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> but there, there's a prideful part of me that loves to be spontaneous, loves to be able to get on stage and talk off the cuff for an hour, loves to be able to, you know, in more sincere videos, put the video camera on and just let the words flow. Yet the comedy videos are, it's, it's just more of an artistic expression. So it's taken me a while to um, be okay with scripting it and, and seeing the, the great value in that. And it's also taken me a while to tell you all that in this rambling, long run-on sentence. <laughs> What's interesting to me, what you just said before, is you're trying to tackle the entrepreneur. You get inspiration from entrepreneurs and the conscious community, but now there's a big overlap between the two communities, right? Absolutely. Whenever you read an article about you know the top billionaires or successful entrepreneurs, what their morning routines are and things like that, there's an overlap and they all, you know, they, there's talk about meditation or supplements or brain enhancing types of things. Um, so in a sense, it's like kind of uh, merging into like one community almost yeah. to some degree. 
which leads me to my question, what is your morning routine? Uh, that's a good question. That was a compliment. It's a Thank good you. question, Nick. Like, yeah, really you should say that. good twice and then you'll be intelligent. That, that's a, a, a good, better question than I expected. <laughs> There's a lot of goodness. <laughs> it is. So my morning routine, most of the time, it's something along the lines of I get up, take a cold shower, and I'll start brewing coffee, go out, take it like a half hour walk, uh, then come back, blend up the coffee into a bulletproof concoction. So grass-fed butter, brain octane, MCT oil kind of thing. Uh, then I'll take my dog out for a walk and then I'll meditate for 10 minutes. Give eyes or take. open or closed? Uh, my eyes are usually closed. Uh, you go the Dutch style. Hardcore meditator. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, you know, a gratitude practice as well, where uh, now it's typically my girlfriend and I just sharing what we're grateful for about life, as well as what we appreciate about ourselves. Um, So that's, that's the morning routine. And uh, then I'm typically jumping into some kind of creative work. It might be video scripting. It might be some other variation of creative work. But that's, that's like the creative work is how I like to start my work day after the morning routine is over. And, um, you know, my morning routine, uh, it only takes me 14 hours. <laughs> and I find that sets me up to have a, a much more productive work day per minute. So I get in a, a, a good seven minutes of work after 14 hours of preparing for it. Yeah, and then and then you're ready to start start it all, all over again the next day. Do yeah. you feel do you feel like um you're you, you go on a walk first before taking your dog because you value your time more than your dog values going to the bathroom in the morning? Because <laughs> <laughs> we're productivity coaches. So when you say that I'm thinking to myself, I could save you 30 minutes if you just combine the two uh exercises and you walked the dog on your walk. No, I, and I like that. Like, let's, let's enliven two dogs with one stuff. My <laughs> dog, he, he's 12 and he, his walks need to be shorter. He had a back surgery like five years ago. And uh, so his walks are shorter and slower. And I'm taking your question seriously. He's working through different emotional issues than you are, obviously. Yeah, he's, he's, he's trying to just, be in nirvana 24 seven. And I'm just trying to not be angry. Mm. Well, so I have a serious question. Um, so what was it like working with Buddha? Yeah, Buddha, he was more of an extrovert than I anticipated. <laughs> What's his Meyer Briggs? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so E, uh, ENTJ, I believe very judgmental. Uh, that works. <laughs> I'm an INTJ, so not so far off. Okay, yeah. You know, the Buddha had a southern accent. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a little bit more, I don't know, Tibetan or other Asian dialect variations. Can you do a Tibetan accent? I, I cannot. Okay. You know, um, I didn't go to college. The reason I asked about that is because of the book, the, uh, which we, ha- we have to talk about. So the book is called How to Become Ultra Spiritual. Mm. What are people going to get out of the book? So here's what I would love to brainwash people into thinking they're going to get out of the book to pressure them into feeling obligated to buy it, obviously. So you're missing out. Absolutely. I was going to be crap without it. Yeah. So with the 10,000 copies made and then that's it. 
We'll bury the rest to be discarded in a thousand years. So the, the book is a satirical look at the New Age culture. So a few things that uh, I want people to get from the book. One, laughs and entertainment. I don't think anybody's ever gone to the doctor and the doctor has said, like, you need to actually laugh less. Uh, it's important for your health. You need to figure out how to laugh less. I think just the opposite is true for most of us. And then there, there's the deeper messages that the comedy delivers that I would really feel lucky if people walk away with. One message is advocating that all of us take a look at what has served us but no longer serves us and learn to let that go. Uh, another message is uh, advocating that we become more unapologetically true to ourselves. And then uh, lastly would be advocating people look for happiness where it is instead of us continuing to look for happiness where it isn't and we don't find it. So we look harder where it isn't. Uh, so yeah, if, if people got some kind of variation of any of those benefits I would feel like the purpose of the book has been well served. Do you, do you ever work with couples? I know you said one-on-one -on -one was how you were doing things, but do you ever work with couples? Yeah, I have had a chance to work with a number of couples. That was like a big sigh when you said that. Yeah, well, I was wondering, though, like, if you're going to propose, like, I work with you and Nick as, like, the business partners that you guys are. No, we're perfect. Yeah, we're, that'd be, but, I mean... You, if you're you offering, no. yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, is that an offer? <laughs> it, it, the, the first sign that uh, couples don't need any kind of outside coaching is when they immediately refuse and deny that they need it and claim that they're perfect. Yeah. So was that an offer? <laughs> it's, it, it's not it, not it, an offer. Yeah. I mean, define offer really. What I mean, is, like, like if we could we schedule something or. No, uh, yes, for the, the purpose of this being recorded, let's just say yes. And then when we're done with the yeah, podcast. Yeah, we'll review that after. Uh, we can, yeah. we, had we can always edit, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, well, I, but no, but also, do you, so obviously you do speaking and stuff. Do you do a lot of stuff with like teams and corporate, like you must do stuff with like corporate culture and things like that with people. No, honestly, uh, there there hasn't been... Uh, oh, much of that oh, at all. Hold on, let me get the, the mask. I'll show you. Okay, yeah, I thought I want to ask about ritual descent. Um, so we're having our first team retreat this weekend, and, uh, and obviously, you're, I'm sure you're not available this weekend. But I feel like you would yeah. you would have a really good impact on the way that people sort of communicate with each other, and interact in that kind of a group setting. So surprise. So um, we're leading a workshop. It's going to be called Ritual Descent. We're making everyone wear these masks. He's not kidding. This no, is, no, this, this is, is a, this is a real this is a real thing, and I'm I'm curious to know your thoughts on this since you know you have a lot of experience in this coaching space. So the idea is I'm going to make people wear the mask where we are and um, they're gonna, you're going to be in groups and you pitch an idea and people have to listen for say two minutes and then three minutes of feedback that can only be negative. Not one while, while, you, you, wear the oh, wow. while you wear the mask to depersonalize. No, it's like a real, like we're re legitimately on Saturday going to be doing a ritual descent. People think I'm joking, but they're all going to be, <laughs> they're all going to be laughing until they start wearing that stupid mask. And so then else. three minutes of purely negative feedback, and then you rotate. And the idea is after a few rounds of only uh, negative feedback, you'll start refining what the idea is, and then ultimately pitch the idea to Ari and I, and if we implement the idea, give a cash bonus. 
Nice. I love that. I love so that. The real question is, what do you think would be the best mask to make people wear? That's really where we're stumbling here. You know, I think the, the uh, Friday, uh, what is it? The Friday the 13th, the Jason yeah, the hockey mask. Hockey mask. That's traditionally one that uh, I recommend. I know Mother Teresa always taught that that's the best one to recommend. But no, I love that exercise. I, I personally think, you know, human communication, like, wow, that's an infinite journey. And so much growth and potential, personal relationships, business relationships. But I find some of the problems with communication isn't necessarily what's being said, what's being talked about, but what's not being talked about. And I think oftentimes we get into these codependent places where we parent each other and we withhold being of great service to people because we're afraid we're not going to please them. Like, I'm not going to give you the the negative feedback, like I see holes in your theory, I see where it could be upgraded, but I want you to like me more than what I'm willing to support you. And I think that's a disconnect, like it's a disconnect in relationships because people are afraid to go into the discomfort of what if they don't like me? What if they disagree with what I have to say? So I love how you depersonalize it with the masks and three minutes of negative feedback. Like, wow, that's going to be an adventure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be our first one. We'll let you know how it goes, but we'll probably record it. So we'll send you a video of the recording. I'm sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd love I'm going to try that with my girlfriend. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you the full. I, I need you to, Ari and Nick said, you have to listen to me for 45 minutes, just give you nothing but negative feedback. And they said that it would be best if you don't give me any negative feedback in return. Or, or just do a different ratio. You can do like 45 minutes and one minute. Yeah, which makes sense because yeah. she has a, a lot more flaws than I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, the, actually, so that video that you did about, uh, I guess it was with your girlfriend, where you're, you're talking about like her self, lack of self-confidence. That's your actual girlfriend? Yeah, Amber. Yeah. So is she in this space too? She, yeah, she she's amazing. She does, one, she's a powerful woman. Like her presence is just like, ooh, she's, hmm channels a lot of life but she she leads a lot of retreats she does yoga 30-day yoga teacher training retreats to teach yoga teachers how to teach yoga uh she does five-day retreats that are around you know self-growth people come in and uh leave hopefully a little bit more whole uh she has some one-on-one coaching she does with nutrition as well as kind of like more uh, life and inner coaching. And then she also does a lot of work with plant medicine, ayahuasca to be specific. So one of the things that I love when I met her this past January, we were both uh, guest facilitators at a retreat in Costa Rica. And she had uh, shared with me like six months before, her friends kept sending her my videos saying, Amber, this video is all about you. He's making fun of you. And I like, I didn't know her, but at first she was all pissed that someone would make videos uh, about her lifestyle the way that I do. I think our relationship started off on the right foot six months before it began. <laughs> How has ayahuasca affected your comedy? It's a good question. I haven't used ayahuasca, but I think vomiting is hilarious. And uh, her and I did do a video. We were at an ayahuasca retreat center in Costa Rica uh, where she will typically bring groups of people 
but we went there to film a video called "If Trump Took uh, If Trump Drank Ayahuasca," and it was uh, just portraying what would the evening news be like, what kind of stories would be reported if he had an awakening through ayahuasca. So. Uh, that dimension of ayahuasca was funny to me that had nothing to do with ayahuasca, but more to do with our imaginations. That does seem like one of the fads that's out there. Maybe not fads, not a fair thing to say, because it is, it is a real plant medicine for people, but it does seem to be very popular in the entrepreneurial community right now. Oh, for sure. And I definitely have huge concerns about that. There's, there is so much predatory shamanism out there. Uh, It, it is a huge, huge concern to me. And I think it's, absolutely delusional as heck that people can use let's just say ayahuasca is sacred a lot of people say it is let's just pretend it is to me it is delusional for people to use something that's sacred in very non-sacred ways and believe that they're creating a sacred experience i know so many groups of people especially in southern california they'll go on weekend benders of ayahuasca and it becomes a very addictive uh, behavior and also a way they assert power over other people. Like I have this substance and you want this substance. So there's like power plays there. And then I know there's been sexual predatory behavior when people are under ayahuasca and other substances. And to me that, I mean, not that that's cool with anything, but using uh, you know, the bait of ayahuasca to get people into a little trap is uh it's a huge concern of mine yeah i agree so it'd be weird if you disagreed by the way it's like hi hello you know, yeah no we think people should be predators uh, shouldn't be called predators i mean i i've never heard i've never heard predatory shamanism before. yeah i like, that is a new term that's going to be my next company <laughs> so we got a question in on facebook um are vegans better people they take the butter away from your mouth yeah yeah for this question, I'd like to to be a yeah. vegan. There, I think we can all agree they are they are better people, but they're the most hypocritical people. Why are they hypocritical? I've discovered that vegans are made out of meat. You know, when they you actually look at their their bodies, like they are made out of the very substance that they despise the most. I think it's very hypocritical. That sums it up pretty well. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a question that, that we had. So so obviously not to plug our company, but we we run an outsourcing company. We've in the past done consulting. One of the big things that we tell our members, because people have trouble get, being creative of what to outsource. So we say, well, what is your unique ability? And what are you doing on a daily basis that doesn't doesn't fit into that unique ability? And that's you know, kind of the mentality you should have in terms of what you should outsource. So the question to you is, what is your unique ability? I think connection and creativity, being able to connect with people, being creative. My comedy videos are one of the prime ways I express my creativity. So yeah, those are very important to me. And just on the note of outsourcing the past year, I've, uh, learned to outsource a lot because I was finding like 95% of my time is being taken up by things that are not my unique ability, things that make me far less money, things that, you know, going through 4,000 emails, looking at offers, it's like, that, that, that is so like 
I don't know, it's so inefficient and it's so unenjoyable. So being able to reverse the tide. So now probably 95% of my time is spent in my, what I would call my unique abilities. So what are the, uh, you said you outsource a lot of things now. What are, what are the kinds of things that you're outsourcing? Like, you know, uh, talking with my girlfriend, yeah, that's uh, a good one. calling my parents, uh, this like an hour call with my parents, you know, time is money. So if I have people at a call center in India talking with my parents, cost me like a dollar. Very easy. Yeah. And if you make a variety that way too, you could buy some bulk Skype credits and get that down to like 90 cents too, by the way. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. I need a new call center. And then (laughs) (laughs) an alternative answer to uh, the question, if I pretend to be more serious, uh, communication delegation has been huge for me. Uh, So I've got my executive assistant, Karen, who's, you know, she's into hardcore email for me. Uh, she'll take a look at anything coming in, and I I see very little, and that's great. Uh, I've also got a manager, and now I've got agents, so they're looking at offers that are coming in. I don't need to take part in, in phone calls, meetings, things that are necessary, but very time-consuming when it comes to setting up partnerships. I, I kind of am itching to practice a ritual descent with him and throw the mask on you and have <laughs> yeah. And you, you pitch the idea and let, let JP rip it apart. So he, he's what Nick is seriously referring to, though, is that I've, I've historically had a very big sensitivity issue. Mm. I think that this will help you get over it. <laughs> you <wanna> have... <laughs> I've grown quite <laughs> It'll help. I've grown quite a bit in that regard, but I think receiving three pure minutes of negative feedback would be a, would be a very important exercise for me, actually. We can do it off the podcast, but <laughs> once we stop recording. Uh, so, so what's next for, for you, for JP? Yeah, part of what's... I'm to talk in the third person, by the way. Yeah, you know, JP, he's really looking forward to what's next. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a great opportunity uh, coming down the pipeline. <laughs> do it in the Indian accent, at least, so we can hear the... No, that's a bad Yeah, I, I would like to adopt more Sanskrit into my life. <laughs> Uh, so part of what's next that I'm really excited about is um, more of a formal uh, comedy tour. It'll be kind of like stand-up comedy, stand-up authenticity. Uh, there's uh, That'll be, yeah, very meaningful to me. I'm excited about that. That's going to be starting this fall. And then, yeah, you know, another part of what's next is embracing change in, in what I'm currently doing. You know, how I'm doing my videos, it's going through changes. I used to do all my comedy videos, headband on, flower in my hair, where I'm like basically just a specific character. And that character, once upon a time, gave me a lot of freedom. And then after a while, what gave me freedom was becoming a force of constriction. So uh, outgrowing uh, what used to work for me and and doing my videos in different ways is part of not only what's next, but it's also what's current as well. And then I think part of what's next is um, going to be surprises, things that I'm not aware of right now. Well, I, I mean, do you have any plans to do a podcast of your own? Yeah, it's funny you you mentioned that. I've been talking about that, thinking about that. 
it's something I would inherently really enjoy. Uh, right now, uh, what I do know is right now the time isn't right for that because I, you know, to be able to devote the, you know, prioritize it like it would deserve. And, and I'm sure in the beginning, I would need more time with it to learn the ropes and work out kinks. Just now isn't the right time, but when the time is right, I think it would be something I'd enjoy. Awesome. So uh, the last question that we always like to ask on these uh, interviews is, what are your top three pieces of advice for people to be more effective? And you can interpret that however you like. Mm, more effective. So anything from like, uh, you know, an entrepreneur to a serial killer to a parent. Yeah, I think those are kind of the same person in many cases. So yeah, so you entrepreneurial serial killing and you have kids. Yeah, it is the same person. Uh, Sounds like an HBO show right there. <laughs> one, so to be more effective, one piece of advice for me would be always bet on your authenticity. Uh, I think when we can be most true to ourselves, not be who we think we are, not be who we think we're supposed to be, but when we can just be more true to who we are, it always works better for us in the long run. And then uh, to me, it's also another piece of bullet point number two would be take care of your health, like it, physical energy, mental energy. To me, that is so important. So eating clean, eating as organic as you can, sleeping well, uh, not in exercising, you know, not exercising like necessarily a manic CrossFitter, but just doing something to really take care of your body, in my opinion, is very important. And then third piece of advice would be humble yourself and uh, learn from people who have more experience than you, whether it's a mentor or listening to a, uh, a podcast and our conversation with someone who's been there, done that. Uh, to me, that is so important so that we don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time, but we can leverage other people's life experience to save us a lot of time, effort, energy, and we just become more efficient and, and accomplishing what it is our heart's desire uh, set on. Awesome. That's Wonderful. great. What, where can people find out more about you? Yeah, you know, on all the social media, my handle is Awaken with JP. I'm active on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and the others as well. But those are the three that I'm most active on. And my website is awakenwithjp.com. So those are the best places to either find me or avoid me. Well, thank you, JP. And we'll obviously have links to all that in the show notes, as well as a link to buy the book, How to Become Ultra Spiritual, which we recommend everybody do to become ultra spiritual. JP, uh, right on. Appreciate that. Wonderful pleasure. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, Ari and Nick. It's been a pleasure to be on your show with you guys. Want to create more positive leverage in your life? Visit www.getleverage.com to access additional interviews, our blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe to hear a new episode every week.